everybody, and welcome to Curtis and Friends Podcast. Thank you for listening today. I'm Noah Goldstein alongside Brandon Browse, and today we are going to talk about the major sports that have returned and what is going on in those sports, what we expect to happen, so on and so forth. A lot of excitement, a lot to catch up on, and we look forward to going through it. Yeah, you know, Noah, the last podcast that we did was, was detailing the possible return to sports. Um, and what that would look like. And now, months later, we're back. We're in the middle of a heated uh, NHL playoffs. The NBA are about to start their playoffs. You know, the MLB season is underway. Um, It's an exciting time to be a sports fan uh, with all these sports returning and, you know, having some great competition. You know, it really is. It's it's pretty awesome right now having so many sports on at the time. I got to admit that I wake up every morning and I I cross my fingers. that a sport will not get canceled and no team will come up with the coronavirus. But so far, pretty good. Uh, and hopefully it stays like that. So without further ado, I guess we will start actually talking about the NBA, whose restart uh, regular season, quote-unquote, finishes today uh, with some irrelevant games. So let's talk about the bubble so far, Brandon. Let's talk about what we've seen, who's impressed us, uh, and what we think is coming. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, and the team that's uh, impressed me the most, and there are a few teams I can choose from here, it's got to be the Phoenix Suns. I mean, you go in, you look at Phoenix, they, going into the, uh, going into the NBA restart, there were a few teams vying for that final eighth spot in the West. If you would ask me which ones I think would have made it, my last choice would have been the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> they come into the bubble, into the restart, they go 8-0, and and, you know, it's Devin Booker mostly, but it's not just him. They've been playing great team basketball, you know, DeAndre Ayton, is a double-double machine, just racking up rebounds like it's nothing. And they have good they have good chemistry. And I think going forward, you're going to see a very, very good Phoenix Suns team. Now, you're, they're going to have to keep Devin Booker, which is dangerous, you know, which may not happen because he may want to go to a team that actually wins. Um, but if he stays, you know, this could be a very, very dangerous team going forward. That is a great point. Obviously, the Suns have been uh, talked about a lot recently. The team that has actually impressed me the most, uh, I'm not going to take the Suns because you've taken them, although what they've done is pretty incredible, is the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Um, they won some big games in the bubble. Uh, they knocked off the Lakers. They knocked off the Bucks. Those are two pretty huge wins in themselves. Their one loss was at the hands of the Celtics when they were without much of their roster. As the two-seed I don't want to get into our playoff predictions too much, but I'll give a little spoiler now. I think the Raptors are the team to beat in the East. I really do. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't blame you at all for that take. You know, you look at Toronto and there was a lot of talk after Kawhi left. You know, is this team, how much are they going to regress? You know, is Boston the new team in the division? How much is Philly going to improve? Will they overtake Toronto in the division even? You know, you add Kyrie and Durant into the division too. I mean, granted, they both, you know, Durant hasn't played and Irving's been in and out of the lineup. But Toronto, you know, of course, without Kawhi, maybe they're not the same team, but they look very close, if not more dangerous than they were with Kawhi. You know, you look at Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet. These guys have stepped up big time. They now know what it takes to make a title run. You can see they're hungry for another one. You know, a lot of teams, um, and I'll pinpoint, you know, the, the 76ers, for example, are a team that they don't, they don't always look like they, they fully want to win games, you know? I think mm. they kind of mentally check out sometimes, and I'm not meaning that as an attack to you, Noah. It's just something that I've noticed. <laughs> um, but the Raptors look like they, they, they go into every game, you know, like, like you said, winning some huge games. They go into every game with that championship mentality. Um, and I think that's something you can't, you can't replace on a team like that. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they compete. They don't, they don't play the style of NBA that, Anyone else really that's in the top echelon of these teams play. They play a very defensive brand of basketball. Honestly, as much as I dislike the Raptors from a personal standpoint, they're they're a fun team. They are a bunch of guys, as you mentioned. I mean, it's rare in today's NBA to see these teams going out day in and day out and putting their all on the floor and diving for loose balls, so on and so forth. That's kind of what you get when you have a team led by you know, Kyle Lowry and Marcus Saul. Right. I, it, it's veterans, but who are not resting on their laurels. Um, so I guess without further ado, since we have all the matchups in the East and West, 
why don't we go through these first round matchups and talk give a get talk quick briefly about each and who we expect to win. So I guess we can start with that one eight matchup in the East of uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic. Yeah, I mean this one. I have a feeling we're going to agree on this one. Um, you know, Milwaukee. I think if you look at the Eastern Conference, the the two top teams are Milwaukee and Toronto. I think mm-hmm. Boston. Boston has a lot to prove, and they might make some noise in the playoffs. I'm excited if both of them and Toronto win their first round matchups. That will be a great series. But Milwaukee, I think, will win this in four and five, uh, in four or five. Excuse me. Um, you know, there's not much. Milwaukee's just a great team. Giannis has got a lot of supporting a lot of supporting talent and Orlando, no, you know, nothing against them, but I, they don't have what it takes to, to really put up a real fight against Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, I'm a noted uh, Milwaukee Bucks detractor. <laughs> I do not see this game going to five. I don't, I do not see this series going to five games. I think it'll be over in four. Um, they just, Orlando just does not have the star power. Jonathan Isaac now out. It, I, I think they'll maybe keep one or two games close. Yeah, you know, no, it's interesting. If you remember last season, in the opening round of the playoffs, it was the Magic against the Raptors, and the Raptors first game, yeah, first game, exactly, exactly. So I could see something like that happening. Chances are unlikely, but if this game, if this series goes beyond five games, I consider me incredibly shocked. <laughs> I agree with that. All right, on to the two versus seven of the aforementioned Toronto Raptors versus the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I mean, I think this is Toronto series. Brooklyn might put up you know, a fight in a few games. If you, if you watch the game last night against uh, Portland, mm-hmm. Brooklyn looked, you know, they looked pretty good. Um, Karis Levert is a baller. I mean, absolute stud. Uh, and I, I'm, in, I'm excited to see him play alongside Durant and Irving next year. But, you know, the new look Nets, as I'll call them, they, they look good in the bubble. They were five and three. I believe they went in the eight games. But, you know, Toronto is a, is, a, is a monster in the East, and I don't see, I don't see Brooklyn knocking them off. I agree. I, I think this series, in my opinion, probably goes five games. Um, Brooklyn, by the way, pretty awesome performance in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, you look through that injury sheet or COVID sheet, whatever you want to look at, whatever you want to call it, they were without everybody, and they competed in every game. Yeah, and they beat the Bucks and they beat the Clippers in the bubble. Those are two pretty large wins, um, and they just played really hard. So you got to respect that. However, at the end of the day, talent-wise, uh, Toronto has them out outmatched. However, Karis LeVert, um, I told somebody at the beginning of the year I thought he would be the breakout player of the year this year. I think next year the Brooklyn Nets have a very, very bright future. Yeah, absolutely. You All know, right, on, they, to, yeah. on to what I know will be a highly disputed matchup. <laughs> the number three Boston Celtics versus my very own number six Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, I mean, this this is going to be the most interesting matchup of the of the first round for me. Um, I think Boston uh, Boston's a good team, but... There are two. It's very similar for Philadelphia, but one of two teams always shows up for them. You know, I, I think you look at the you look at they they can be very inconsistent at times. Um, Jason Tatum, I, I you know in the bubble we've seen him put up ridiculous numbers, like in the game against Portland. I forget the exact stats, maybe thirty eight points, something around there. We've also seen him struggle. Um, and it's a team that you know Kemba is is uh you know still nursing that knee injury. Um, you know Jalen Brown's been good, but he's also struggled at times. Uh, you know, when you look at the Philadelphia side and Ben Simmons, his health in, is in question. You know, he's out indefinitely. Joel Embiid's been struggling um, with a hand injury, I believe it was. So, you know, the, the, the series is going to come down for me to health and whether these two teams can stay healthy. Um, if it stays the way it is, I, I can't see Philadelphia competing without Ben Simmons. Um, if you were to come back, then that makes the series much closer because Philly, you know, in the playoffs when they need to, they can show up. They pushed Toronto to the absolute max last season in that second round matchup. Um, so, you know, it, it really comes down to health. Uh, but, but I'm taking Boston the way things are right now. So my prediction I will state before is 
reliant on Joel Embiid being able to play 30 minutes a game. Yeah. But I think if Joel Embiid is able to play 30 minutes a game, the Sixers win this series. Uh, I think that Boston in years prior has a one has had two guys who had a semblance of a chance to stop Joel Embiid, and those were Aaron Baines and Al Horford, one of which is now a Sixer, and the other of which is a son. Um, so I, I think Embiid goes for 30 a game in the series. I really do. Ben Simmons, on the other hand, has had played some of his very worst basketball games in the NBA versus this Boston Celtics team. The Sixers in the bubble, their performance has been kind of, uh, it's been very unsteady. The guys playing have been very unsteady in general, but they're beginning to put some things together. They're getting scoring from their bench unit. Alec Burks, actually, probably the Sixer that has showed out the most in the bubble. Um, Josh Richardson as well. These are guys that they've always said, if you can surround and bead with shooters, the Sixers team looks a little bit different. I'm excited to watch the Sixers play this series. I'm excited to see how Tobias Harris steps up. I will be very disappointed if the Sixers do not win this series. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do. I, if I, if you told me I had to put my money one way or the other, I'm putting my money on the Sixers. I do not think that Boston has an answer for Joel Embiid, and I would say that the Sixers have an answer for pretty much every Boston offensive option. Jason Tatum may have 30 in three games. I don't think in the end that that changes the course of the series. You know, it's, it's a good point about Joel Embiid because, you know, you look at the Boston big men and you got Tice and Cantor, both of whom are good. But they're not going to be able to stop him beating the players. And Cantor is a notably terrible defender. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Tice, you know, he, good player, but not nowhere near Embiid's. You know, nowhere near, yep. nowhere near the defense that they need to stop Embiid. Um, but I mean, you look at everywhere else on Boston, and they have great defenders. You know, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown are going to be are going to be able to control the guard play. Um, but you know, but I think this series is contingent on you know, who wins is contingent on health. I think, you know, mm-hmm. if Kemba can go out and play a ton of minutes, you know, then Boston has a very scary offensive arsenal. If he can't, and, you know, Ben Simmons comes back and, and he looks good, it's a diff- totally different Simmons, series. Simmons so, will not be playing in this series, by the way. You don't think so at all? Um, pretty certainly not. Okay, okay. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, so who, who will be starting a point guard for them? Will it be Neto? Uh, Shake Milton. It was actually starting at point guard at the beginning of the bubble. Milton has been playing very well. They'll likely go with a big – so this is the other thing. The Sixers will go very big with their starting lineup. They'll be going Milton, Josh Richardson as the two guards, and then they'll go Tobias Harris, who's a six foot nine, three, six ten, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid. Right. So what is that? Jason Tatum's going to guard Al Horford? And then Tobias Harris is going to have a size advantage versus who? Jalen Brown. He'll play the three for Boston. I don't know. I, I think the size could play a factor, could help the Sixers significantly as well. I think you could also say the reverse, though. You know, you, you look at teams like Houston who've thrived off small ball, and, you know, this will be right. a little bit of a different, um, you know, a different setup than Houston because they'll have an actual center in Tice, most likely starting. Uh, but you know, Boston, you, when you have smaller guys out there, you know, that could, that could lead to success on the other end. So, you know, I I feel like it'll be interesting. I also think, you know, Al Horford, it seems that it seems to me that Brent Brown has not found a perfect spot for Al Horford. You know, what I will say is that Al has looked far better in the bubble and even better without Ben Simmons playing. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But, you know, if they find if they find a, a spot for Al Horford, you know, Boston, when he went to Boston, it took a little bit before Al Horford looked like he belonged on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this is Horford's first year of a, what is it, three or four year deal? Four year um, deal. Four year deal. And, you know, I have no doubt that he's a terrific ball player, you know, on both sides of the floor. Um, but, you know, once they find that spot for him, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, when you have a guy like Simmons, um, who is most effective in the paint and drive, you know, he can't really shoot when he drives and when he penetrates, that's his most effective 
um, style of basketball. And you look at a guy like Joel Embiid, who really works in the paint. You know, it's hard to have those two succeed next to each other. Um, then when you got another big guy like Al Horford, granted he can shoot, so that that's a little bit different. But you know, once they find the role for Al Horford, I think this is a very very scary team in the East. I think Al is probably the X factor for for the series facing his former team. It's what Al Horford does. It's going. It's Embiid is going to have a huge series. I'll say that with some confidence. Another Sixer is going to have to step up. Yeah. Um, Tobias Harris or Al Horford are probably the names that comes to the head the most. Right. All right. On to another interesting matchup, this 4-5 matchup versus the Miami Heat and the oh-so-solid Indiana Pacers. Yeah, you know, this This is this is a good series. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, is the Jimmy Butler-TJ Warren feud. Uh, I love that we get <laughs> to have a full series of this. Um, and I hate I, – I really do hate picking all the favorites because that, that's what I've done so far. I think in the East, though, there's a pretty solid difference between the, the haves and the have-nots. Uh, or in this case, the, you know, the ones that I think will, will be able to, you know, to make it far in the, in the playoffs, um, the exception being the Sixers because they're the, they're the uh, question mark. But I think, I think this is the Heat series. You know, you look at what the Heat have been able to do this year. And, you know, with, with the exception of Jimmy Butler, who, you know, is a great player. I don't know if he's a star anymore. I, I think you could make the argument that he is. But this team, you know, has a lot of really quality role players, and they work so well together. You, know, you look at Bam Adebayo's season, you know, coming from nowhere to be an all-star. You know, you look Kendrick Nunn is in the rookie of the year conversation. You know, he probably won't win it, but he's in the conversation. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson has emerged as one of the best three-point shooters in the league. You know, this team has a lot of players who, you know, at the beginning of the year, you'd be like, wait, what, who? Like, he did that? Mm-hmm. And now, you know, they're the fourth seed in the East, and they could go They could go pretty far. You know, it's it's a little um, it's a little of an unfair, you know, seeding for them. Well, not unfair, but, you know, to have to play Milwaukee in the second round because I don't, I don't think they can, you know, um, you know, put up a real fight against Milwaukee. But – I do like this Miami team, and I, I think this is their series. I'd go with them in around six. I'm, you see, you mentioned that depth and the lack of top-level talent for Miami. Much of the same can be said about the Indiana Pacers right now. Um, they're a very interesting team. I'm very curious to see how they'll respond to the playoffs. Something of note, it was announced a couple of days ago that T.J. Warren, who has been one of the stars of the bubble, and carried this Indiana team in the bubble reason they're in the five spot, more or less, has plantar fasciitis, which could certainly curtail his availability in the playoffs. Right. Um, harming Indiana in massive ways. With that said, I think that Indiana has a very solid shot to win this series. Um, especially if Oladipo starts playing big minutes and looks like his former self a little bit more. You have Miles Turner, who's a very solid big. I don't know. I mean, I, Adebayo's not quite as big as Turner is there. I don't know if he'll be able to match up with him uh, quite effectively. And TJ Warren, I, I'm yeah, TJ Warren will be will be fascinating to watch Jimmy Butler surely take him on uh, from a scoring perspective. This Indiana team is just filled with these role players that step up and do their jobs in a way, and you don't necessarily understand how they win games, but they win games. And it's been the case for a couple of years. They haven't quite broken through. You have a Malcolm Brogdon on the roster, too. You have a guy like Justin Holiday. It's all these solid players. I If, I, if you told me that Sabonis was able to play in this series, I would take the Pacers any day of the week. It's a little bit tougher without him in there, but I still think that the, the Indiana Pacers will win this series. I think it will be a very competitive series. I would not be surprised. This one, I would peg for seven games. Yeah, I mean, you're right. These two teams play a very similar style of basketball. You know, it also depends on the T.J. Warren availability. I just don't trust the team, you know, that without T.J. Warren, they'll probably start, I believe, probably Aaron Holiday and Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday. Mm-hmm. I, I don't trust the team in the playoffs that, that start those two guys. I think they're, it's a, they're two very solid players. Well, you look at Miami's starting lineup, and I know Kendrick Nunn, you know, once he comes, I, I don't know if he'll, if he'll be able to, to play at the beginning of the series. Once he does, though, I think Miami's got 
the you know the advantage there and their bench is also very solid um so i don't know i mean you're right it'll be a very very competitive uh series i'm still going miami and six though all right that's fair so we'll go over to the west quickly uh the first game that one verse eight is going to be the los angeles lakers versus the play-in between the oh-so-hot portland trailblazers and the oh-so-cold memphis grizzlies yeah you know i would give anything to have seen the Suns and Blazers playing the plan. <laughs> um, you know, watching Devin Booker go against uh, Lillard would have been amazing. But, you know, we'll all settle for this. Um, you know, I think Portland wins this, the, the plan, in one, if, if maybe two games. But, you know, like you said, Memphis is ice cold right now. Um, and Portland is red hot. So it's the battle of two opposites. And, you know, Portland right now is, is, in, is playing the way – is playing an inspired – style of basketball you know their defense hasn't really quite been there and that's what I think loses them the series against the Lakers but you know on offense they've been one of the best teams in the bubble but I'd go Lakers I think Portland maybe will still a game um my issue is you know when you look at both sides the Blazers don't have anyone to stop LeBron they don't have anyone um and you look at the Lakers they're gonna have a hard time stopping Damian Lillard who do I take I take the Lakers because when you tack on an, un, an unstoppable LeBron with AD and some shooters, I, I, I don't see them losing this series. Yeah, I mean, I love this Portland team. I think they're so fun to watch. Damian Lillard, just all out awesome. Um, I'm hoping they take two games off the Lakers. Yeah. They, they don't have the roster to, in the long run, stop Anthony Davis and LeBron James on a consistent basis enough to win a series. Um, Especially with, you know, Dame's been going, Dame and CJ McCollum and all these guys have been going all out for the past week, two weeks, as opposed to the Lakers who have been, they've been locked into that one side for a couple of days, one spot for a couple of days now and have been able to relax a little bit. However, I don't think this Lakers team is as good as everyone thinks they are but I think that they will win this series with some ease. Yeah, agreed. So on to the next series, the L.A. Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks. You know, I really hate that this is who the Dallas Mavericks ended up playing Mm -hmm. in the first round because this is a really fun team to watch. You know, I love Luka. I'm not so hot on Porzingis. Um, But, you know, it's a great team to watch. And they they have a lot of talent. Um, great coaching with Rick Carlisle, really good defense. They play a very good style of basketball and, you know, it just sucks uh, from the perspective of a fan that they're going to be matched up against the Clippers because the Clippers are arguably, you know, it's them and the Lakers. I think they're vying for the, for the front runner um, or for the favorite in the West. Um, but I, I don't see the Clippers dropping this series. Uh, you know, Paul George has had his struggles in the postseason, you know, of a recent memory. You know, I remember in the Indiana days, he was he was unbelievable in the postseason. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see him, uh, you know, get that style, you know, get that uh, level of playback in the postseason. You know, the past few years in Oklahoma City, he hasn't been the best. Um, but with Kawhi Leonard and, and you know, and Lou Williams back and, and Montrezl Harrell back, you know, it's just it's just too tough of a team for Dallas to get past. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that. This Clippers roster is pretty awesome. I'll talk about it a little more after we're done with these matchups. But I I think this will be Clippers in five. Yeah. Next, on to the three-seeded Denver Nuggets versus the Utah Jazz in the sixth spot. You know, I think when you look at this matchup, I think Utah was the team that every uh, – every Utah was the team that – every other team wanted to play in the first round. You know, you look at them and they're a good team. But when you look at the the talent level of the other Western Conference first round, the other Western Conference, you know, top five teams, they're a little bit above. You know, when you have a team that, you know, doesn't seem to have the level of chemistry that they once had. Uh, and I think a lot of that is due to the, you know, the Ruby Gobert, um, Donovan Mitchell feud that, that went on um, at the beginning of the NBA uh pause um you know i just think you know they don't they're, they're missing bogdanovich they don't have that defender wing store, scorer that can go along with donovan mitchell mike conley still hasn't looked great in a utah uniform 
you know, to me, this is Denver series, especially with the emergence of, of Michael Porter Jr. Yep. Um, I hear you, but I'm going to take the Utah Jazz to win the series. Really? I'm a noted detractor of the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I do not think they're ever that good. Uh, I think they're a solid team. I don't think they're a great team. Donovan Mitchell has been pretty excellent in the bubble. There are some pieces around him this year. Gobert is a dominant defender and heel. I believe that he will give um, Nikola Jokic fits. Joe Ingles is there. Mike Conley, I know he hasn't been great all year, so on and so forth. It's hard for me to believe that at the end of his career, with a chance to compete, Mike Conley will not step up and have a solid series in this one. And just really good shooting uh, of Bogdanovich and Ingles, as I previously mentioned. Jordan Clarkson has looked awesome off the bench, especially in the bubble. I don't know. I, I, I know the Nuggets are exciting and everyone loves them. What's, what's Jamal Murray's status? Jamal Murray, I, I, th- I believe he is going to play. I thought I saw he came back. I could be wrong, though. Um, if Jamal Murray plays, I, I think it will be a very good series. If not, I think that the, the Jazz will win this one with a little bit of he, – he'll be back. He'll be back. I still think the Jazz win it. I think it will be a very entertaining series. I think it will be a long series. I think the Jazz – have a very good shot of winning this one, though. Yeah, Jamal Murray has been playing the past few games, um, including one against Utah. But yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think Denver's a more solid team. I agree. The Jokic Gobert battle will be a really fun one to watch. You know, you have one of the best scorers as a center in the league, maybe second only to to Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid too. Um, but you know, then you have Rudy Gobert as the best defender for a center. Again, up there with Joel and beating Anthony Davis. Um, but, you know, besides that, I think this is a they match up very well. It's a very interesting one. You know, this is one of the, the only Western Conference series that I think can really go either way. Um, it's true. So, you know, I, I, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, but I, I, I will go Denver, especially, like I said, with the emergence of Michael Porter Jr., who has turned into the player that we all thought he was going to be. First at Missouri and, and in the yep. NBA, you know, injuries halted his progress, but he's finally there. And it's very exciting as a fan to watch it. Um, Denver really could have gotten a gem, I believe, at 14, the 14th pick. Um, him and Bull Bull, too. And Bull Bull's like good in the ball yep, as well. Has. All right. On to the final matchup that we'll cover. It's going to be the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets. This is an interesting one. Nobody... Nobody, and I mean nobody, at the beginning of the season told you that this, this this Oklahoma City Thunder team would be in the four spot. Yeah. If you told me at the beginning of the season that it was going to be first-round matchup versus the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder, first I would have been shocked that the Oklahoma City Thunder made the playoffs, and then I would have told you that I guess Houston had a great regular season and they were the one or the two seed. Right. I mean, unbelievable season unbelievable heart from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Personally, though, I see it ending in the first round. I see James Harden taking over and getting his getting his buckets and killing the dreams of Oklahoma City once again. Yeah, I mean, two things about this Thunder team. Number one, Sam Presti is one of the best general managers that I've ever, I've ever seen. I mean, he's consistently turned, you know, trades that looked lopsided at the time into trades that work out so incredibly well for them. Um, So that's number one. Number two is that Chris Paul, I think, going into the season did not get the credit that he deserved. This is a team that has a lot of young talent. Shai Gildas-Alexander has been great. Steven Adams, I don't know if you consider him young talent anymore, but he's been good too. Um, But this is Chris Paul's team. He's the team leader, and I think he's the main reason that, you know, along with Billy Donovan, who's been a fantastic coach this year, but he's, he's the main reason as a player that Oklahoma City is not only in the playoffs, but a four seed. Um, you know, you also have Danilo Gallinari, who's been great. Uh, they, they have a very solid team. I agree with you, though. I think Houston has shown since the NBA restart that they're more than just an offensive powerhouse. Um, you know, there was a I don't know if he still does. James Harden uh, a few games in led the league in steals. 
um, you know, yep. which, which is crazy to think about for James Harden to put up 35 a game and then lead the league. Instead. I mean, crazy. But, you know, it's a team that uh, it's, it's a team that has the potential to go far. I think Russell Westbrook's health will be a huge factor um, because I don't know how ready to go he will be come game one. Um, and if he's not yeah, it available, takes away some of the fun of this series, doesn't it? Getting to see does. the Oklahoma City boys play again, not on Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, so, I, so you know, if Westbrook can't play this series, that changes things. I still go Houston, but the amount of games, either way, I go Houston. I think, you know, their bench has been very solid. Robert Covington, Ben McLemore's looked good. Um, Austin Rivers has had some spectacular games. I think uh, this is Houston series. I would agree with you there. Now let's quickly go through a quick finals pick and prediction for the series. Yeah. So I think in the East, it comes down to Milwaukee and Toronto. I think Milwaukee has to make it this year. Um, You know, I I think that you look at the production that they've had from both Giannis and Middleton and their supporting cast, Brooke Lopez has been good. Dante, Dante DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo, the Villanova boy, he's looked good. Um, Eric Bledsoe coming back. I think I think this is Milwaukee's year um, to advance to the finals. And out of the West, I'd love to see LeBron and Davis go into the finals and take on Giannis. I'm going LA Clippers though. Um, yep. I also think Houston has the potential to go far, uh, but I'm going Clippers. Uh, you know, just when you look beyond George and Leonard. That's when you look at how good of a uh, how good of a team this Clippers team is. Patrick Beverly, as I mentioned, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Um, you know this Ivan Zubac. It's just a very very deep and solid team, and they have what it takes to beat a LeBron led team um, in what will probably be the Western Conference Finals and a, a great Western Conference Finals at that. Uh, but I'd go Clippers Bucks, and I'd go Clippers in seven. Unfortunately, I have a similar prediction to you. Um, I do think, as I mentioned before, that the Raptors will come out of the East. I've been thinking about this Milwaukee Bucks team a lot, and I guess it would not surprise me to see them be the team out of the East, but I still don't necessarily believe in them, and they haven't given me reason to do so in the past. I'm going to go with the proven team in the Toronto Raptors. I just believe that the depth in the end will finish it off, and People forget Giannis in the playoffs last year was not spectacular in that Raptors series. We'll see if he can change that this year. I know he added a lot to his game. In the West, I've been saying since the very beginning of the season, and I will continue to say now, I do think the Clippers are the team to beat. Um, I was speaking with somebody earlier, and and they said, well, look at that top two of LeBron and Anthony Davis, and it's better than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. First of all, maybe you're right. But, A, I think Kawhi Leonard right now, when he wants to be, may be the most dominant player in the NBA. And, B, after that, this Clippers team just makes their difference against the Lakers team. Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, Ivica, Ivaka Zubac, as you mentioned before. This is just a solid team. Amoris brother, I know that the Lakers have the other one. This is a solid team and a solid second unit. And we saw last year, Kawhi Leonard's just a freak. The guy is unbelievable. Um, so I think that the Clippers win the West, and then they go on, and Kawhi beats his former team in the Raptors, gets back-to-back titles. The Clippers win the NBA Finals. Yeah, you know, I, I would love to see that matchup. Clippers, uh, Kawhi Leonard going against his former team. Uh, you know what I find interesting is that I think Houston, you know, has a very, very solid team this year. We both picked in the beat Oklahoma City. You know, they have – They've been playing well on both sides of the ball. They've won some big games in the bubble. If they beat Oklahoma City, and which will most likely happen, the Lakers beat the Portland Trailblazers, it would be a Houston Lakers second round matchup. It would be a fantastic one. I mean, I think that's entertaining. I think that's six games at least. I think so too. You see totally contrasting styles of basketball because on the one side, you have PJ Tucker, who's the biggest guy on the court. And on the other side, you have LeBron Kuzma. And Anthony Davis. You know, the Rockets will have no answer for Anthony Davis. And the Lakers will have no answer for Westbrook and Harden. I mean, that will be... P.J. Tucker becomes the most important player in a Lakers-Rockets series. Crazy enough. 
I mean, you look at if Peter Tucker fouls out or he goes down. I mean, Jeff Green plays the five. Um, so, you know, he that will be a fantastic series. And I love the Rockets this year. I'd love for James Harden and Westbrook to do something. I don't see them getting past the Lakers, though, which is just that was just a uh, a, a little a little something I was thinking of. But that would be a fantastic series if that does come in, in, into play in the second round. For sure. All right, let's move to the other bubble uh, and quickly talk about the NHL playoffs. What has begun? I'm sorry, I know it was a tough start for you, <laughs> but let's talk about who surprised you in the NHL bubble so far, and who do you think are some sleeper teams that can make some runs? Yeah, well, first of all, Noah, it started out poorly. I will gladly take the first pick. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> uh, sleeper teams. I'm going to say two teams both pain me very, very much to say them. Number one, the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, Ooh, the number one seed in the in the East being called a sleeper team is, is quite Oh, I, I apologize. No, I didn't mean to say sleeper. I meant to say the, the teams that have impressed me the most. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. That, that, is, that is my fault. <laughs> um, the teams that have impressed me the most. Oh, yeah. The Flyers. Um, the Flyers, you know, they came into the – they came into the, to the bubble, into the playoffs, a very good team. They are now – not only a great team, they might be the best team in the NHL. I mean, thank you. Yeah, it's t- I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's painful for me to say, but but I have to give credit where credit is due. I mean, you look at what they've been able to do. They have such a uh, good young core, paired with some really good veterans. Um, you know that that first line and second line have been great, but they've also been getting a ton of production from their bottom two lines. Their defense has stepped up when it's mattered. Um, you know, you see them scoring a lot of big goals. Philippe Myers. Uh, Ivan Provorov. This is without Shane Gostisbehar too. The main reason, though, that Philly I think has had their success is Carter Hart. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. the statistics for the NHL goalies since the beginning of the restart, and Carter Hart leads the NHL out of starting goalies. Not you know a backup who's played one game. Out of starting goalies, leads the league in save percentage and goals against average. Goals against average, yep. he has won because he's given up exactly one goal in every game he's played, which has been against the Lightning, the Capitals, the Bruins. Three games, by the way, which they pretty much dominated. Um, and they easily took care of the three biggest teams, their three biggest competitors in the East. So Philadelphia, to me, they're the one thing I will say against them. Their special teams hasn't been great. And in order to win a Stanley Cup, you have to have a power play that's better than 7%. Um, but Philadelphia is my biggest is the big is the team that's impressed me the most? Uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't agree. I've been very thrilled to watch my Flyers play. The one thing I will say is they're going to need one of their top guys to get hot. Um, I think that for this team to make a Stanley Cup run, Claude Giroux is going to have to be – doesn't have to be Claude Giroux of old, but he, he needs to go on a little bit of a run. Travis Konechny was the top scorer in the regular season for the Flyers has not put up the points in the playoffs, hasn't really mattered. Um, have, but this Flyers team is built on depth, but I think it will take, you know, a little bit of some of the some of the top guys scoring some points for the Flyers to make that deep run that they hope to. Uh, right. Another team that's thoroughly impressed me is the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Um, they looked really good in their play-in series and then a very impressive win in the first game versus the defending champion Blues. Uh, we will see. Yeah, they lost their first game in the bubble uh, to the Wild and then have won four in a row since. Very impressive offense. Obviously, Elias Pettersson is a phenomenal player. Quinn Hughes. I mean, this is a an exciting Canucks team to watch um, for sure. And kind of the contrasting style versus the defensive Blues We'll see. Maybe they can pull off that upset there. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like. I'd really love to see that. Vancouver has, like you said, a very exciting, very young team. Um, you know, I remember. I'm a big Rangers fan, as as we alluded to, and you know, I remember watching JT Miller as a young, as a rookie, and then a young player, and he's now developed into one of the leaders of that team, and you know, commanding the locker room. I've seen videos of him hyping up the the players before big games. Um, but it's a very young team with some very solid veterans in him, Bo Horvat, Tanner uh, Pearson. It's a very, very good team, very exciting, and I'd love to see them pull off an upset of the Blues. Yeah, I mean, I was watching some of the Canucks game the other day, and Quinn Hughes 
seven points in five games as a rookie. Absolute stud. Absolute stud. Unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. Um, Yeah, I still think – so a finals prediction, if he has you a finals prediction, I'm going to be modest. I'm going to say that I see from – I see from the East. I I think I see – right now, my sleeper team in the East would certainly be the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, Brandon, you and I have spoken about the Hurricanes before. I think they're a good bet to beat the Bruins in this series. I think that the Capitals are probably the best bet right now to come out of the East, just given the Lightning's previous struggles um, in the playoffs. The West seems to be kind of wide open as well. Uh, Maybe Vegas makes a run back there, uh, back to the Stanley Cup. The Avalanche have looked great as well. I'll I'll go with the upset pick in Vancouver for right now for for fun I'd love sake. To hear it, you know, it's funny. I think you look at it, it, this is maybe the hardest year to pick a finals because mm-hmm. because you know I think every year hockey the hockey playoffs are kind of a question mark. You saw St. Louis third of the way into last year dead last in the NHL make a run. They enter as the third team in the Central Division, pull off a few upsets, bang, they win the Stanley Cup. You know, so it's always tough. This year's especially tough. My sleeper team is the New York Islanders. I think that they are mm-hmm. going to knock off the Washington Capitals. I think that they have a very deep team. They play with a lot of heart, very physical team. Their defense has been good. Their goal, their goalie play has been surprisingly good. I think it'll need to get better if they want to make a Stanley Cup run. Um, but I see them walking, uh, knocking off Washington. Now, if I'm talking about Stanley Cup, I think it's, av- it's the Avalanche from the West. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned them. They have just a very, very good team. On both sides of the ice, they played lockdown defense when they need to. They played the Arizona, they played the Arizona Coyotes this series. In game one, the Coyotes had 14 shots on goal the entire game. 14. That's a good offensive team, It's a good team offensive too. team. They have a lot of playmakers. I mean, Colorado's defense has just been unbelievable. You know, they have uh, Kale McCarr, who is – it's a two-man it's a two man race yep. for Rookie of the Year between Quinn Hughes, the, the Vancouver man, and Kale McCarr. Yep. Um, you know, you have him. You have veterans like Ian Cole and Nikita Zadorov and Eric Johnson, as well as other young guys, Ryan Graves, Samuel Girard. It's a very, very – it was one of the best defensive uh, groups in the NHL, along with one of the best offensive groups, Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, um, Miko Rantanen. You know, the one thing that they're going to need is, goal, is, some, is improved goalie play, which is very similar to the Islanders. But if I had, if I had to pick, I'm going Islanders-Avalanche in, in my Stanley Cup Finals. Islanders-Avalanche. Okay. You know, it would be very fun to see Nathan McKinnon get to play in the yeah. Stanley Cup. He is such an extraordinary talent. And playing in a market like Colorado, he doesn't necessarily get that, that um, popularity that like he may deserve. Yeah. And obviously, Cal McCarr is quite a quite a yeah, player absolutely. himself. Very solid team out in Colorado. I agree that they're poised to make a run uh, for sure. So, all right, let's go on. Let's talk about something that's. Uh, it feels like we're throwing it back a couple of months <laughs> with all this optimism, and and we're talking about all these things. A lot of. Uh, conferences in the NCAA announcing they will not have fall seasons, uh, obviously impacting lots of sports, but the predominantly popular one being football. Brandon, what do you take of these announcements that football seasons are being canceled in the big conferences? What do you think it means? And do you see any way that the SEC and a few of the other conferences yet to cancel We'll be able to have a season. Well, here's here's my thinking, Noah. Is that well? First of all, if you had asked me, will any conferences cancel their fall sports? I would have said yes. And the two I would have said first of all are the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And I'll tell you why. It's because when you look at the academics of those schools, those schools are more than just sports powerhouses, you know. And there's, that's not a knock against the mm. SEC teams, the ACC teams, and the uh, Big 12 because they are, they, you know, all very good academics. But when you look at the Stanfords, when you look at the Michigans, they understand that it's a lot of money being brought in. But at the end of the day, what's the smart decision is 
you know, what's what's more important to them and, and their students um, is, is, you know, canceling canceling the season and or canceling the seasons and staying safe. As in terms of whether or not we, I can expect to see a football season um, coming out of the SEC and the Big 12 and the uh, ACC and the other conferences that I've yet to postpone play, I think they honestly will try to start a season. I don't see it finishing. Um, you know, the, the travel, yep. even, even if you eliminate the, um, the fans in the stands, and even if you limit the amount of travel that they have, you know, with opponent play, I mean, the size of these teams and the coaching staff and the, the play, you know, it's impossible on a college campus for you to, for you to prohibit players from seeing other people outside of the team. And, you know, there's just so many variables. I, I, I think within the first week or two, there will be at least one major team that has a COVID outbreak. And I mean, we already saw what Clemson had. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, all it takes is one player get sick. And you're sharing, you're sharing all the space, all this time with people. I think it's impossible that the season goes through. And even if it does, I mean, I'd love to see college football, but I don't know how interesting of a season it would be if only one or two major conferences go through with it in the end. You know, you just, it's not, yeah. it's not a full season. Whoever wins the national championships, there's a huge asterisk next to their name. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that they can resume it in the spring. I honestly don't have a ton of optimism for that. I think it's just, you know, it might just be a year similar to March Madness where you just scratch the whole thing. Uh, and, yep. you know, it's unfortunate, but it's probably the right call in the end. Yeah. Um, I think it also should be noted that Pac-12, not necessarily as much for the Big Ten, you know, it's very spread out. Um, a lot of teams all over the eastern side of the country, um, but – you know, a lot of a lot of geographical diversity within the Big Ten. The SEC, I think you and I can agree, is would be a very strong bet to be the last yeah. conference in America to cancel their football. It means so much there, and it means so yeah. much money. I remember seeing a statistic months ago saying that if the if the if college football is forced to be canceled, the NCAA would stand to lose, I believe it was $4 billion. And you got to bet that a good amount of that comes from the SEC and Alabama. For sure. Um, frankly, Brandon, it's crazy to say, I think that the SEC will have a college football season. I think that lawmakers there, um, football is undefeated. Football is undefeated in Alabama. Yeah. Football is undefeated in these in these SEC states, I would not be surprised. I mean, I was going to say I can see teams opting out, but which team in the SEC is going to opt out of a season, right? Right. Maybe Vanderbilt. Um, I, don't, I don't see, you know, only the teams that maybe, aren't competitive. Maybe Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe Vanderbilt. Maybe they opt out. I guess that that's the probably – it's the smallest school of any of the schools in the yeah, SEC for sure. And – Nashville was getting hit very hard. They also have been competitive in a minute in, um, in football, if, if ever. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. We'll see. Uh, we will see what happens with college football. It is sad, but as you mentioned, there's just so little chances to control. You know, I was speaking with my dad the other day, and we were talking, and he said, he said to me, well, it looks like this bubble's working great. Why don't they do that in the NFL? Have they looked into it? And then we started talking about it, and we were like, okay – the NFL is going to have to bubble around 6,000 yeah. people to even do it. You can't do that. Even if they had the fields, even if they had everything, you can't bubble 6,000 people at minimum. Right, right. Um, college football, it's a similar thing. You have all these players on all these different campuses. And by the way, for the SEC, as far as I know, pretty much all these schools are going to be back yeah. to school. So these players will be on campus right. and – I mean, you and I were based out of the Northeast. Uh, We'll be the first ones to admit our Northeast uh, way of looking at things. We've seen the media displaying that, you know, in the South, there is not the same mask wearing. There is not the same sensitivity to coronavirus as we've had here. And that very well. Um, But with what we've seen here. I don't see a situation 
where it ends up working out and they're able to have a full season. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I hope so too. But it, there's just too many variables going on. You know, we, were, we like you just mentioned with the NFL, it's too hard to have a bubble. And to be honest, and this is the most upsetting thought I've had, I don't see the NFL getting it through their season. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean the ML, You've seen what's happening. I mean, they they'll have to try. Of course, they'll have of to course, try monetarily. But I mean, you know, you, you look at the only way I think to have a successful season right now is to have a bubble. And the I think the main reason that the NBA and NHL can do it. Or because it's not a full season. Well, first of all, there are fewer players, but also it's not a full season. You know, for an NFL player to say, "All right, I'm going to stay in a bubble for yeah. s- seven months," if the, you know, if you if you make it all the way, I mean, what players going to want to sign up to do that? Um, as well as the issue of you have so many teams playing these like they're like seven or eight one o'clock games every day. You're gonna like you're gonna have to find a bubble with eight feet. You know, like it's just gonna be a very. I don't. I'm sure they could figure that part out, but you know, it's gonna be a very tough thing to do um you know maybe you can break it down into regions and only you know there are four regions and you only play against teams in your region um either way though i i don't see it happening but with college football i mean you add in the fact that they're on college campuses to me this is it's 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 really a no-brainer for whether or not they'll they'll get through it um you know unless players and coaches take the absolute strongest precautions possible which i don't see happening then, you know, I, I don't think we'll see a completed college football season. I agree with you. Um, and I would say the other thing, you know, we'll talk about baseball in a second, but the only reason, in my opinion, there is still an MLB season going on is because they've gotten lucky and seen that um, contam- like, uh, contamination is not the right word, but the virus spreading from team to team has right. not occurred. Uh, it is only spread intra team, not inter team, um, which is objectively possibly the only reason the MLB is you know somewhat stabilizing, hopefully, and looking like may- you know maybe they will finish this right. season. Um, if they had, because if you had the Miami Marlins giving it to the whole Philadelphia Phillies roster. And then, you know, these Arizona Cardinals spreading it, so on and so forth. The NFL, first of all, your roster size is double. Then you carry so many more staff members. Then with injuries and corona, you're carrying even more players. It's just so many people in so many parts of the country. And by nature of the sport, there is no way they're not transmitting it between each other. Absolutely. Right? Um, so unfortunately football looking, looking tough, uh, which is sad to see. Let's move on quickly before we end this. Let's talk about the MLB. Um, first Brandon, who's, who's impressed you, who has disappointed you so far in this MLB season, which by the way, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. I, you know, it's fun to have the MLB back and I know we've had these, uh, you know, these minor setbacks with the Marlins and the Cardinals, hopefully we're over them for the most part. I mean, I think players need to take, you know, for the most part, players have been taking it seriously. Um, I think, you know, that there probably will be a few more minor setbacks. I am optimistic, though. I think the MLB and Rob Manfred has have handled it very well. Um, we will see going forward. Recently. recently yes. Recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my biggest surprise, my, the team that's impressed me the most, it's got to be the Miami Marlins. I mean, you look at the beginning of the season – you know, I know you and I are both fans of teams in the NL East. I know I was thinking, I'm sure you were thinking, and I, every sports person that I heard talk, every friend that I've talked to said, this is going to be a four-team race in the NL East between the Braves, the yep. Mets, the Nationals, and the Phillies. You can see them ending in all order. You know, obviously, maybe the Braves are the, are the slight favorites to win it and same with the Nationals. But for the Miami Marlins to be in the lead of the division is absolutely shocking. You know, I, I think you look at their stats. I mean, obviously, they had the, they had the outbreak, so they played fewer games than, than everyone else. But they entered the outbreak. I think they'd only played three games at that point. They were 2-1 and one coming off a, a series win against, the, against your Phillies. And now they're 8-4. and four. You know, this is a team that's shown. It's very early on, but they're not a joke. You know, they don't have a superstar. Their leader, their, their leader in home runs and batting average is Jesus Aguilar. Who's a good player, but he's not. You know, he's nothing special. 
you know? So this team has yeah. been able to get it done time after time and very similar to the Pacers in the NBA. Like what you, what you said, which, which stood out to me, which is that if you're looking back at a game, you're like, I don't know how they just won, but they won. And that's all that matters. Um, and in a division with so many powerhouses who, by the way, are struggling, the Mets, Nationals, and Phillies have all been struggling pretty heavily this season. Um, but in a division with those powerhouses, along with the Braves, for the Marlins to be on top, you know, pretty decently into the season, they're definitely my my surprise. Yeah. I, it's kind of crazy. You look across baseball, the Baltimore Orioles are 10-7. Yeah. and seven. The Detroit Tigers are 9-7. and seven. The... Uh, the Miami Marlins are 8-4. The Colorado Rockies are 12-6. and six. These are all teams that were supposed to be bad. Uh, bad, bad teams and have been quite good. For me, who's impressed me the most, uh, the, the Chicago Cubs have been phenomenal. Everyone was ready to write off Hugh Darvish about a year ago, a year and a half ago now. The guy's been phenomenal in the past calendar year. was amazing in the second half last year. Had a no-hitter last night, got broken up. He is quite a player. Um, and the Padres have lost a couple in a row. I mean, they're playing the Dodgers, so you can't really blame them there. That's a powerhouse of a team, probably the best team in baseball right now. Fernando Tatis Jr., unbelievable yeah. player. Unbelievable. We all knew he was quite good. Uh, I, if you, Brandon, if you knew he was this good already, credit to you. He, is, <laughs> he has been incredible so far this year he's fun to watch i wish he didn't play on the west coast but um he's the guy that surprised me so far i mean pretty phenomenal yeah absolutely i mean he's so fun to watch i mean that whole Padres team is very fun to watch you're right i wish they were on the east coast um manny machado's you know eric hosmer if they have a very good team their pitching is the only thing that i think and it's been better than i was expecting um but if they're going to have yeah. a deep run it's going to it's going to need to rely more on their pitching but, yeah, I mean, the Cubs, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, the, qu- the big question was, is their title window over? You know, they won it all, and I believe it was 2016. They, um, you know, made it to the playoffs the year after, were bounced out. Uh, you know, and they've been kind of in and out uh, since then. Yep. I, I think this is their division right now. I mean, look at the other teams in the division, You, except with the exception of the Cardinals, because they've still only played five games. I mean, the Reds are six and a half. The Reds and the Brewers are six and a half games back. The Pirates are nine and a half games back. I mean, this is the Cubs division. And it'll be interesting. I, I think it'll be a, a, a. I think the Marlins will eventually fall back, and I think it'll be a three-team race, but for the for the Western for the uh, National League title between the Braves, Cubs, and Dodgers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll say I think it's a one-team race. I think yeah. the Dodgers will win it. But, but yeah, all those teams are very good teams. Now, um, Brandon, before we end this show, I wanted to hear your take on some new MLB rules this yeah. year. What have you thought about a, a different look to baseball? Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. I think, you know, when you look at what the MLB was trying to do, I'm, I'm, I'll specifically start with the, uh, with the man on second and extra innings. When you look at what the MLB was trying to do, they were trying to speed up games, and that's exactly what they did. You know, not surprisingly, when you start with a runner in scoring position and all it takes is a single or two sacrifice plays, I mean, you, you'll score a runner. Um, I think yeah. from... The, another MLB perspective, which is the fact that when you look at, you know, the demographic that they have on lock that the fans love, it's a little bit of an older generation, you know, as opposed to the footballs and the basketballs, which have been trending, you know, all the all the all the kids and all the uh, well, I sound so old when I say that, but, um, you know, a, a much younger <laughs> generation follow it pretty much immediately with baseball. It's just it's a different. You have to have more patience with the game. You know, I know my family, for example, no one watches baseball except for me. Because it's just, it's too long, There's, you know, with 30 seconds in between every pitch, it just takes forever. Um, yeah. And so when you look at that standpoint, I think extra inning games now have become really fun to watch. Because every pitch, every batter could score a run and could mean the difference in a game. Um, for me, I like it, but I'm not a huge fan. I like the idea of it, especially in, in the wake of COVID. I do, th- I, I, I think it's too easy to score, though, to be honest. I think in a, in a day and age where bullpens pretty much across the league, have, you know, they've been struggling a lot. I think obviously you look at individual teams and some teams have, have much better bullpens than others, of course. But overall, you know, I, I think when you look at both of our teams, for example, the Mets and the Phillies, you know, the Mets have kind of righted the ship in terms of the bullpen. But at the beginning of the year, 
struggling heavily. The Phillies. Oh, Phillies, Phillies bullpen's the yeah. worst in baseball. It's, no, sure. it's exactly. Yeah. So when you look at that, and, and it, it, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on them. You know, I, I think it's too easy for teams to score. I'd be more in favor of a man on second with one out, possibly a man on first. I just think that teams will still find ways to score uh, without as big of an advantage. Yeah, um, I hate that rule. Yeah. Call me a traditionalist. The runner on second, oh, I, I hate it. I hate it. Um, yeah, I just really, I really do not like it. And I'm, yeah, I really do do not like that rule. Um, the universal DH, I love to watch pitchers hit. National League baseball fan, I feel like that's pretty common amongst National League baseball fans. I love to watch pitchers hit. I like the DH this year. I think it's good. Pitchers are staying healthy in that regard. That's good. Seven-inning doubleheaders, great. Love it. Um, practical. It's practical for this year. It's speeding up games. They're allowed to play more doubleheaders, so on and so forth. Bullpens aren't getting burned. It actually adds a little bit of excitement with the pitchers um, trying to go for that complete game. That's been good. Uh, what else am I forgetting? Oh, three batter minimum. I like that. I, I Three batter minimum – I would like for them to get rid of it in the playoffs. Yeah. Because, you know, playoff baseball is just long games and you just have to accept that. Three batter minimum for the regular season, it speeds up games. Yeah. It really does. That's good. I like that. What about 16 team um, playoff? 16 team playoff, you know, we haven't seen it yet. I mean, the Phillies are 5 and 9, so I love <laughs> that. But uh, I think it's fun. I think it's fun. I think that this is a 60-game season, and the whole thing with baseball is that it's so random. Yeah. Um, and you never know who's going to win on any day, right? You never knew who's going to win a baseball game any day. And it's 162 games, so teams can differentiate themselves. Right. Let's, let's have it be 16 teams this year so that teams can differentiate themselves, right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, um, no, I agree. Um, you know, touching on what you said. I agree. Seeing the pitchers hit is, is interesting. Uh, it's fun. You know, I, I like the strategy that's involved. Um, you know, it adds another element for, for MLB managers to, to think about. For this season, though, like as I think with most of these rules, I think it works. Um, you know, we'll see going forward. Yep. I think Agreed. this was something that I think a lot of MLB fans have, have wanted for a while is a universal DH. And, you know, we'll see if – Going forward after the season, you know, in the post-COVID era, if we ever get there, um, you know, it will be it will be interesting to see whether they keep the rule. I like it for the season. I'd like to see them change it afterwards. Um, the 16-team playoff, like you said, we haven't seen it yet. But in baseball, you know, it's, it's normally well, 162 games in a season. You know, when you look at such a long regular season, you know, it, it's all about getting hot at the right time. And when you only give MLB teams 60 games – you know, you eliminate, all, you know, more than half of the season for them to get hot, you know, you know, so I think adding in 16 teams adds another element. It'll make the playoffs, I think, a little more exciting, um, especially this year. So I'm in favor of it. Again, I'd like to see them switch it back after, but I, I do like it uh, for this year. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I would say of all of them, by far, my yeah. least favorite is the extra innings one. I mean, oh, I, I, extra innings. I, I personally, I know I'm a baseball traditionalist. I know I have more, much more patience for the game than pretty much every American, and that's fair. And I understand not having patience, but extra innings is exciting enough itself to me. Yeah, I don't know. I love it. I think it's fun. Putting a runner on second, it's like, I mean, you know. College football has a 25-yard game, yeah. right? Putting a runner on second is like having a, having a start on 10. It, it just changes the game. You have a pitcher come in with exactly. a man on second. Total. A, they're not right. used to that. And also, you bunt, and then you get a sack right. fly. That's two outs. That's two good jobs by a pitcher. A pitcher did a good job twice and let up a run. Come on now, really? Yeah. I, I what, don't know. what would you I, say I about a runner starting on first or a runner on second with one out? I could tolerate it more. I, I, I don't like uh, starting with an out because 
just because I'm thinking about thinking about my team, yeah. right? And we're starting with a runner on second, one out, and I have the number one hitter in my order. I'm thinking to myself, well, crap. Bryce Harper may not get the right. hit. Right. Right? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tough. I understand that they want to speed up these games. I understand that they do not want to burn pitchers' arms. But how about starting in the 11th inning? We start with yeah. that. You know? I, if they told me – if they said that, they said starting in the 11th inning, we're going to start with a runner on second. No last. Okay, cool. You don't want – these games to go like 16 innings because then teams are screwed for their doubleheader later in the week. That's fair. Uh, I just, I can't, I cannot, I cannot get along with the 10th inning starting with a runner on second. They're just trying to set them up to score. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, like I said, uh, for the MLB standpoint, they've thought to themselves, what can we do to shorten games? I mean, they did it. (laughs) You know, there's no doubt about that. This, this will surely produce runs by the 11th inning if no one scored by the 10th, which would be surprising to me. Yep. All right. Well, this has been fun. Uh, thank you all for listening. For those who got through it or listened to part of it, thank you. Uh, and we'll look to do it again soon. Brandon, do you have anything yeah, to say? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, I'm really excited. And for all, for all you sports fans out there, you know, it's a really exciting time um, to be following sports, uh, you know, gearing up and getting into the hockey and basketball playoffs. It should be a fun time. Um, and when my predictions are right and those are wrong, feel free to shout me out on social media. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's definitely not going to happen. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll, you'll hear from us again All soon. Right.